G'day team. What a weekend. I'm still uh, you're normally refreshed on a Monday. But I think I've got eye strain from my Samsung from the weekend. My annual pilgrimage to the couch for Bathurst. I think I've watched every minute of every Bathurst for as long as I can remember. And it wasn't as incident-packed, I guess, and lead changes and all that sort of stuff. It was a little bit of a procession. I still loved it. I still really enjoyed it. But um, there wasn't much drama involved. But a couple of Kiwis, driver and co-driver, Richie Stanaway and Shane Van Gisbergen, gives me a lot to look forward to 2.45 today when we cross to Jimmy Smith and talk to our Australian counterparts about New Zealand winning their first match in the Cricket World Cup, Australia losing theirs. New Zealand's through to the quarterfinals at the World Cup, Australia nowhere to be seen. And the Kiwi domination of Bathurst. It'll all be friendly banter, but um, I just wonder what he's going to come at us with. I'm not really sure. Uh, Big old weekend. A lot of stuff that um, we won't be able to cover in depth today, but um, the phone lines will get opened. Well, they're always open. 0800 150 811. Um, there was the Bathurst scenario. There was the quarterfinals in the rugby. All the home teams won, except for Bay of Plenty, who got tipped out by Hawks Bay. Really good weekend of Rugby World Cup as well. Um, incredible scenes at the end of the Portugal-Fiji game. The Portuguese were just over the moon. Uh, a one-point victory against Fiji, who are they sixth in the world now? Somewhere around that spot. Don't know where Portugal are. I'd imagine down 15, 16, something like that. A massive win for them. A nearly massive win for Samoa against England. A win to Tonga. Eight, are you telling me, Robbie? Is that Fiji? Fiji are eighth and West Portugal? 16, yeah. So that's why they were so delighted. And once again, I've been saying it all tournament, I'd love to see more of these teams. They would get better quite quickly. We'll have some clips from Selela uh, Mapasua, the head coach of Samoa, soon. Uh, also, Alfred Dunhill Links has been really hit by bad weather. They've only managed to play two rounds uh, across three courses. They are all waterlogged, unplayable. So the goal is to play uh, tonight, New Zealand time. I think 7.30am they're going to start. Shotgun starts. Two T starts, reduced to a 54-hole tournament. Matt's, Matt Fitzpatrick leads. He's shot a 67-64, so he's 13-under. And Ryan Fox is in sixth place on 9-under, having shot 66-69. So hopefully the weather gods are a little bit better for them this evening. And um, Foxy can push hard for to climb up that leadboard. Only four off the lead. He can go low. So can Matt Fitzpatrick, though. Um, But, as usual, we are going to kick off with the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour. Twelve to one every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Rightio, first thing we're going to do is bring you some reaction after New Zealand's win against Uruguay. First up, Ian Foster, head coach, his initial reaction to the win. Delighted with the result, Um, delighted with the first objective of five points uh, to cement a position in the quarterfinal, and that's a clear goal for us. Um, 
I thought Uruguay chucked a lot at us, particularly in that first 20, and very combative, made the breakdown quite hard. The, the set piece became a hard area for us to get, to be able to use the power that we know we have, and it took, we had to find other ways to do that. But um, really stoked with the way that the guys showed a lot of patience and problem solved and came through the other side and finished really, really strong. So we're delighted with that performance. Um, and just a, a bit of a, a rinse and repeat from the last two games, but just a congratulations to Sam Whitelock, 150 games, special occasion for us. Yeah, 150, tremendous occasion. Ian Foster again was asked for an update on Tyrell Lomax leaving early and also Fletcher Newell coming off. Oh, Fletcher was largely precautionary just on his, on his knee. Um, uh, Tyrell a little bit more serious, but we don't really know how bad it is. It looks like a medial, uh, doesn't look too bad, but um, got a bucket load of ice on his knee at the moment and we'll look at that over the next 48 hours. And there's been an update uh, overnight with Ian Foster declaring uh, Tyrell Lomax is a good chance to play in this weekend's quarterfinal against uh, Ireland. Um, limped off early, suspected medial ligament injury, uh, but Ian Foster said he's getting better by the day and he's better than we expected. He's likely to jog around this afternoon uh, in a light session and after that the next 48 hours will decide. I could definitely tell you he's in now but he's definitely not out yet. So we'll take that as a positive. Cryptic Ian Foster. Sam Kane now on the opening 20 minutes from a player's perspective. Uh, what do they put their slow start down to? Yeah, I suppose it was a little bit frustrating when we technically had two tries sort of brought back before our inaccuracies at the breakdown um, in regards to um, TMO picking up some neck rolls uh, and then... You know, we scrambled well to, to stop one of their tries. Uh, look, they came with a lot of passion early. Um, I sort of go to any test match against any opposition and expect that the first 20 to 30 minutes is going to be tough, regardless of history. Like, just everyone can get up and, and bring an intensity for so long. Um, our challenge was to stay patient and hopefully um, overcome that. And, and luckily we stuck to our guns and, and that's what happened. Ian Foster was then asked if this was the best version of the team in order to go on and win the World Cup. I hope so. You know, I think we've, um, I think we've responded well from, from the first game. I think we took lot, lots of lessons out of that and, and I think we've, we've dealt with each challenge that we've had in the meantime and... and I believe we're growing our game to a point that we're ready to go into this quarterfinal really well prepared and clearly whatever happens, whoever we play is going to be a massive game but that's what quarterfinals should be like. So we're ready. Lots of lessons there. Well done, Ian Foster. He was asked for his thoughts on DMAC's performance. Uh, he's going pretty good. You know, we were delighted with him last week and I thought again this week he... He played well. We had a, it was a it was a game of turnover ball, wasn't it? I, I kind of got the feeling that uh, Barnsley wasn't too interested in setting scrums, so the game became a lot of turnover ball and turnover defence. And you know, quite frankly, Damien's pretty good at that sort of stuff. And but I, I thought he played really well. And then when he went into ten, he he continued that. So he's a player. He continues to be important to us, and is and he's uh, he's really putting his hand up. 
Uh, he was then asked if there was any concern that their last three games in a row leaves them short of those tight, hard test matches heading into a quarter-final. Uh, look, it, it is what it is. You know, we, we can't control things when it comes to the draw. Um, you know, people weren't saying that after the French game. They were saying that we were struggling. And, um, and even before the Italian game, that was going to be a massive challenge for us. So I think we've... Uh, we've we've taken the we've put ourselves under pressure to play well. I, I think it's a very motivated team at the moment. We, we know we're, we're not perfect. We've still got some areas to grow, but we we're really confident in the areas that we we think we need to be ready for going into a tight game. So um, you know, there's different pathways, isn't there, to quarters? And some teams have a hard game beforehand. Uh, for us, that first 20 minutes was pretty tough, and we had to show a different sort of patience. But it is what it is, and, you know, at the end of the pool play, we're satisfied. Ian Foster was then asked about Lester Whaunganuku, and does his performance put pressure on regarding the naming of the 23 to play the quarterfinal? Yep, no doubt about that. Played well and busy, um, you know, and we you know, I haven't talked to him about how he enjoyed his time at 12, but I think he went pretty good. Um, different sort of game. Um, and so, you know, he did he did what we asked him of him, and really pleased for that. So, give us plenty to think about, no doubt about that. Skipper Sam Kane now in his first start of the tournament. How did he come through it? Yeah, I think I said a couple of days ago. I was really excited about um, the body feeling really good and, and first start, and just loved getting back out there. Um, quite quite enjoyed the first twenty minutes because it was um, a little bit more combative. Uh, but as the game wore on, it opened up a bit. Um, you know, a wee bit stop-start, I suppose, because there's a few points being scored, but um, felt felt good out there, felt free. So, yeah, pretty happy. Pleased he's healthy. I'm very pleased he's healthy. Now back to Coach Ian Foster. Um, the growth I've made over the last few weeks, he was asked about, and how that sets them up for the quarter. I think... Uh Pool plays, you, you've got to, um, the first job is to get through, clearly, and, and so we've done that. The, the second job is to make sure that you're, you're spending time on the aspects of your game that are really good for the here and now, but with an eye to, to what's to come. And, um, and so I think we've got that balance right in, in terms of our preparation. I, I think that, you know, we've worked hard on areas of the game that we, we think we're going to need going into playoff rugby, and... So, you know, you can argue we haven't been challenged um, a little bit mentally on how to finish out a close game in the last two or three games, but I think we've put ourselves under pressure in that space to, to really focus on our execution regardless of the scoreline. And, you know, and, and sometimes when we get a big scoreline, people sort of talk down our opponent, but I think we all saw that, that Uruguay, man, they, they tried, they were 100% committed for 80 minutes and they made everything we did actually... It was a little bit harder than perhaps what people think. And so I'm pleased with that clinical side of the execution. Now, we know there's going to be a big step up coming next weekend, and but we can only control what we control. We're prepared with the end in mind, and, and I think we're going to next week feeling like, OK, we've done everything we need to do, and now we just need to, need to go out there and express ourselves and give it everything. And, of course, Samuel Whitelock has been breaking records left, right and centre. Uh, both Foster and Kane were asked, what more can he do? That's pretty simple. 
he can become the first man to win three World Cups. We've been speaking about him for almost uh, two weeks within the environment um, due to him breaking Richie's record last week and then bringing out 150 this week. So, um, yeah, he's been notching up a few achievements and, yeah, hopefully in a few weeks' time he can add another one. I hope so too. Ian Foster was asked about his selections around the 10 and 15 jerseys and also looking ahead to the future. When you coach this team, you expect to win every test. You're expected to win every test. So you're always trying to pick for the here and now and plan for the here and now. But my role is is to make sure we are looking at at the future to try to figure things out. And and I think that we've grown the game to the point that, that we know we play well when we've got a number of really key decision makers on the park. You know, Bodie's done a, a great job, I think, at 15 in terms of executing our game, of influencing others and, and bringing a whole degree of calmness to our decision-making. And, and his linkages with, with Richie and, and Damien, I think, is, is just getting better and better and better. So um, we're pleased, you know, and it's a game that we want to play. But we do know that they can only flourish if, if we get that platform up front. And so, you know, now we're, we're seeing real growth in that part of our game and that's, that's the part we're going to need in, in the next, as we go forward in this tournament. And he was also asked, was there any reason for having three different goal kickers throughout that match? I asked Damien why he gave up the kicking tee when he kicked two really good ones and he said, well, Aaron Smith was a water boy and he told, told Damien that, that I, I'd given instructions, he had to give up the kicking tee. So he was really grumpy with uh, me, but... I had him on and told him that actually I hadn't said a word to Nuggy, so he had a fight with Nuggy. And, but at the end of the day, um, I wanted Bodie to have a couple of goal kicks just to keep him in, in uh, keep his eye. And Damien's kicking really well, Richie's kicking really well, and it was just a chance for, for Bass to have a couple, and he didn't look too bad either. But nothing sinister. Good story, though. Next up, um, just going to play a little piece uh, from SENZ Steve Devine. He was on the rugby show yesterday with Watto, and um, here's how he thinks we beat Ireland. Right, if you let the Irish play, you know what they're going to do, right? They're going to try and get over the advantage line of first phase. They use Bundy Aki to, 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 you know, pound into that line and try and get over the advantage line for quick ball, or they, or you stiffen up on D and he's not there and he throws that backdoor pass. So. I would send the halfback. I would send Aaron Smith uh, once um, Gibson Park passes the ball. I would have nine homing in on ten and following him around behind Bundy Aki. So if that backdoor pass does come, then Smith's there to knock over um, Sexton straight away. And I, I just I can't see I can't see how they operate. They if Bundy Aki carries, you've got you know you've got the defence there set ready to knock them over. If they go backdoor to Sexton, you've got Aaron Smith right there ready to knock them over. I, you know, they what the the problem yep. with the Irish is they don't have a plan B, right? They do. They're very, very good at what they do. They're very, very clinical at what they do. And if you, we can't just go at them expecting to, to have our own normal defense because they'll pick it to pieces. We need to. We need to send a roamer up, I reckon, and knock over Sexton. A lot of focus on how we stop Ireland. Watching that Irish game, I was like, how do you score points against them? That isn't threes. Their defensive intensity and pattern just denies points. And the only time Scotland scored was when Ireland were up by 30-odd and may have just dropped their intensity. They're just such a hard team to score against. Anyway, 0800 150 811's age just call, but we'll take him after this break. And you, if you want to yell out.
Someone just asked me who the referees are for the quarterfinal. Great question. I'm trying to find it for you. Bear with me. I'll keep. I'll keep looking. I'll keep looking. We go to the phone. Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Hello. Hello. Um. Yeah. A hard game for the um All Blacks on um Sunday, but I mean um that's the knockout stage. So I guess that's what you got to prepare for, and um hopefully we can you know prepare well, and we'll um try our hardest. If we lose, well that's sports, and I guess hopefully it's a tight game. Um. You know, hopefully it's not one sided either way. I mean. I mean, if hopefully, hopefully it should be a tight game. Obviously, four pretty good quarterfinals. Fiji, um, I didn't, uh, Fiji, England will be interesting as well. I think England should win that pretty easily, but um, you never know. Depends what Fiji team comes out on the day. Um, Argentina um, and Wales should be pretty good. Um, Argentina seems like they haven't quite had their straps still, so um, it'll be interesting to see how they go in the quarters. Obviously, those are the two easier quarters, and then. South Africa, France. Well, I reckon South Africa could win that game against France. The way um, South Africa's been looking so far, I'd say, um, yeah, I reckon South Africa might do it against against France. I do too. I really do. Yeah. Mm. You know, good team, and and they know they know how to win. They know how to win the big games. Obviously, they won the last um, Rugby World Cup, and um, yeah, so they'll they'll definitely be on there. But and obviously, as we know. Um, Whoever probably wins the All Black Island game and the France South Africa game, most likely will win the final. Will win the final. Might both be in the final. The, those those two semis because they won't. I mean those two quarters because they won't meet each other in the semi or will they? Who's that? Sorry. The winner of the All Blacks France game. I mean All Blacks Island and South Africa France. They won't meet each other in the semi. No, they? they won't. No. So so they could both be in the final. Whoever wins. Yep. Those games this weekend probably right? should be in the final. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. All good then. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Uh, good to talk to you. Uh, next up, Steve in Auckland. G'day, Steve. Oh, good to Steve. Um, I, I don't know whether you remember those French teams that toured out in the 80s. And there was a winger by the name of Patrice uh, Lajeskay. Yes, I do. It was, it was quite, a, quite a flyer on the wing. Well, he's the <clears throat> coach of Portugal. And boy, I've got to say, he's done a great job with them. Aren't they a really, really good watch? They just seem to know what their roles are and they know where their, where their strengths are. And um, I thought they were and truly deserved their win this, this morning. I, you know what? I even thought that scoreline actually flattered Fiji. Yeah, look, I do too, actually. Um, Portugal, just the heart. They, they chucked absolutely everything at it. Uh, uh, they were incredible to watch. And I just want to see more oh. of them. No amount of skill. It's not, I, I definitely agree with um, someone, Coach Talala Mapasua, um, with, with his thoughts as well about giving these guys a lot more game time against tier one teams because, you know, you like you said, the, the biggest thing they ask for is, is time together. They don't get a lot of time together. And it's taken this, you can see it's taken the someone team probably a good couple of games to, to, to find their mojo and I reckon if they were starting their World Cup now they would be way more of a threat that, than they were before um, just quickly too on the on the Irish man that was super impressive from them they are definitely going to be a hard team to break down just an area for me of concern is just our mid, midfield defence I, I know we should be more concerned about it getting our game right 
but the way they manipulate the midfield is a real big one for me. And you know what? It's for me. This game is going to come down to who the better coaches, coaching setup is. And I suppose that probably answers my question about who I think is going to win. Mm. As well, unfortunately. Yeah, me too. I, I, I can't see any teams putting big points on Ireland. Their defence is just so organised. Yep. Oh, very much so. And if there's some lessons to be learned out of this game this morning, Fiji, Portugal, <clears throat> you know, Fiji knew what they needed, knew what they had to do in this game. Great. When, you know, get in there, even if they lost by a bonus point. But you do not turn down three points. And boy... Of all the times I wished we had a drop kick expert and this all black team, <laughs> excuse me, is right now. Because I, I don't care what people think about drop kicks, that's three points on taking it. If you're basically piling on, say, the Irish, a lot of field position, but you're not getting through, you take three points on mm. offer every day of the week. Twice on Sunday, you exit, you exit your red zone, you go back down there and you play the game in their half. I really don't want to see us playing the game between the two 10-metre marks, because if we go down using those same top tactics, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have a hissy fit next week when I talk to you <laughs> if we've gone down using the same old tactics. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Richie Moringa can take drop goals. Whether I hope it's something they talk about, that if we can't break down South Africa, and then they'll have to look at charging drop kick uh, attempts and that could open some gaps. You can fake a drop kick and then find a gap somewhere. But um, yeah, I'm with you. If we get four drop goals, all of a sudden New Zealand rugby fans will be applauding drop goals as a way of accumulating points. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 about it's about taking that opportunities. I am hearing though out of Ireland, there's a couple of injury concerns with both their both their wingers. It sounds like Hanson, who's very good in the air. Is, is definitely going to be out. Got a calf, calf tweak, and of course James Lowe got a whack around the eye, but is ex- expected to play. So I, I just think we've also got to put a, put a little bit more pressure on those guys outside, and the and the outside channels, and, and put some uh, uh, pressure on their defence because I, I just don't see any way breaking them down through the middle because they just they chop tackle. And the other scary thing is, man, they don't give away a lot of red and yellow cards, and that's primarily got a lot to do with their tackle height. Mm. They tackle low. They chop, get players over the ball. So we have got to be, oh, my God, at our very, very best to beat these guys. Yeah, I agree, Steve. I do agree. Thanks for your call, buddy. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Um, Peter Mack just said, I've just watched both games, and I thought two of the best games of the tournament so far. But, man, that's such an easy side of the draw. Yeah, I agree, Peter. It is. It is easy. It is easy. Um, and Dermot said the ref is yet to be determined. Yeah, I've hunted everywhere and I can't find referee appointments as yet. I guess with the, they need neutrality, so they were just waiting till the quarterfinalists were all confirmed, which was done when Fiji were the last of the quarterfinalists to be decided. Right, new sport and weather, and then we're going to go inside the Irish camp, the English camp, the Samoan camp. Lots to cover after the news. Well, it was a commanding performance by the Irish, wasn't it? Um, if you're an All Blacks fan, it probably was a performance that filled, filled you with part anticipation, part fear, part excitement. So let's have a listen to their press conference after their match. Johnny Wilkinson, 
Johnny Wilkinson, Johnny Sexton, <laughs> going into the game. He was asked uh, about a lot of different outcomes were possible uh, with bonus points and margins of victory, all that sort of thing. How did he address that with the team? You know, sometimes, sometimes when you know, you know in the back of your mind, you, you've got a different permutations with if you're at one point, if you're at two, if, you, if you're losing by, you know, all these different things. And we just needed to narrow the focus and say we're here to, to, to win the game and, and put in a performance to, to do that. So uh, very happy with with the lads and um, we're exactly where we want to be now in terms of we won the pool um, and now we're into the quarterfinal and uh, you know we always knew most likely play uh, France or New Zealand um, there's no easy <laughs> there's no easy option there um, and now we've got New Zealand so it'll be a, a very tough game and I see that they were talking about revenge already and stuff like that so it'll be a game they want and um, you know we need to be ready for it. I've already mentioned how impressed I was with the Irish defence and Andy Farrell was asked if he felt like the Irish defence had got even better in this tournament. I definitely think it has um, because of the time that we spent together. We, we, you know, when we're preparing for uh, a normal competition, whether it be the Autumn Series or the, or the Six Nations, we have five sessions before we get into it and, you know, our, our, our defence has always been strong, but when you spend, say, you know, 15, 16 weeks together, you know, you would expect every part of your game to get better. Um, and it certainly has to uh, keep doing that to, to, to keep progressing in this competition. Uh, you know, it's no secret. Everyone everyone says it all over the world that um, it's, it's defences that wins uh, that wins World Cups. And um, it certainly won us the first half uh, uh, this week, that's for sure. Yes, and in the first half, Mr Farrell, there was a period where you defended 18 phases in a row. You must have been really happy with that. It's amazing because um, uh, you've just got to keep doing what you what you know you've got to do. And, it, and it's tough at times because uh, Scotland were threatening, throwing the ball around everywhere. But um, I thought our systems were strong, our contacts were strong. And it's a it's a sickening blow when you when you're actually attacking really well and and we was able to keep them out and get down the other end of the field and all of a sudden you know another seven points on on the board is it's a tough one to take but that's that's what top level rugby has to be all about and it's something that we've been uh, always striving for um, and the first half performance um, again not being perfect but that's 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 perfect as well you know that we was able to. Um, just roll with whatever was being thrown and absorb it and uh, and come back and uh, and and strike at, strike at the right time. So it was very pleasing. At the end of the game, Andy Farrell was seen standing by himself, looking into the stands, just having a little moment. He was asked to comment on what was going through his head. Oh no, my, my wife and my two girls were there. Uh, that's why I was singing to them. Um, I think it's amazing, like you know the the songs at the end of the game. Uh, I, I love all that. I mean, you know, we 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 got a bit of stick, didn't we, for walking around uh, um, against South Africa? But we've we've walked around um, and, and thanked the fans in every game. It's the least that we can do um, when they turn out in the in, in the thousands like like they've done. And you know, we play for them. We talk about it every week. I talked about it um, before the game today in the in, in the dressing room. Um, it means. It means more than what people think, uh, 100%. And 
I know that France is buzzing with Irish people, but I believe it's going bonkers back home. Like you know, um, we're a bit drawn, uh, a bit torn a little bit between where do we want to be. Like you know, is enjoying it with the fans back home or or staying here? We'll stay here for now. And and, and but we, we we know we know when we turn up for training on Monday. You know, we're not just doing it for ourselves. Not just doing it for ourselves, doing it for a whole country. And I heard, I think there's 4 million people in Ireland. Their game against South Africa, 1.4 million people watched. And apparently the game against Scotland, 2 million people watched. Just amazing. Um, he was also asked about um, the All Blacks having lost to both South Africa and France recently. Is now the best time to take them on? I think New Zealand, uh, a fantastic side and for little old Ireland to be um, talked about in the same bracket as, as the All Blacks shows that how far we've come as a, as a, as a rugby playing nation. Um, but the respect that we've got uh, for, for New Zealand is, is through the roof. The form that they've got at this moment in time um, is, is top draw. Uh, and like Johnny said before, I'm sure that they, they will be relishing this this um, this fixture um, to to try and put a, a few things right so it's tough it's tough it's, it's as, as tough as it gets I mean two weeks ago it was a, a tough game and you know this one was knockout knockout type rugby so it gets a little bit tougher it gets a whole lot tougher next week um, against the all blacks and uh, Hopefully they'll need to be at their best to beat us as well. Skipper Johnny Wilkinson was asked about the experience of beating the... Oh, did I say did I say Wilkinson again? Can't get Johnny Wilkinson. He's, what a player he was. Johnny Sexton was asked about the experience of beating the All Blacks last year. And what does it do for the confidence levels this week? We went to New Zealand um, and Andy told us he put us under the the most pressure that he, he could find, you know, to go on a three-test tour, but also do the midweek games it was to test us and to make us learn and we learned so many lessons um in on that tour to to take with us for the six nations um you know to win a grand slam um and then it's to 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 put us in this situation again you know to to have to play them again you know that they've already said you know it's one that they want and um you know, when they're hurting and they, they want to prove it right, that's the biggest challenge in, in rugby, uh, to try and beat them when they're in that uh, frame of mind. So, um, you know, two teams will both move up under pressure uh, for, for different reasons and uh, it'll be who copes with that the best and who can put their game out there on, on the biggest day when the, when the pressure is on. And the last bit out of the island camp isn't from the island camp, it's from the media over in the UK about a potential injury crisis ahead of Ireland's quarterfinal. So the news is, is coming through and it's not great. It's, it's maybe not of 2015 proportions where that was just a complete disaster on the injury front. But we're hearing Mac Hansen, that calf strain leaves him very doubtful. James Lowe, initially last night, the sense was after the game his vision was was good, but Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent tweeted this morning that he's now struggling. And just to complicate matters, Keith Earls has a hamstring strain, and we know Robbie Henshaw has a hamstring strain. They're both going to do some running today, Earls and Henshaw. But there is a chance, touch wood, that all four could Mm. be missing. Now, it does seem Lowe is the best bet of making it, 
But Hanson, there's definitely a question mark now. We'll come to James Ryan in a moment. But let's stick with that back area. Hanson, Lowe, Earls, they're all wingers. So what happens here? This, this, this is borderline crisis if they're all out. Yeah, look, it, it, coaches a day after a big win, you think you could relax and have an, at least have a nice breakfast. Yeah. They're, they're really under the pump right now. And just to remind everyone at home, the, the, the laws of the World Cup, you can't bring in a replacement unless you send someone home. So you've got to deal with the squad you've got in France. You can't mm. just pick someone in and leave everyone here. So there's some really tough decisions to make. There's going to be discussions with medical, medical staff uh, about what to do with this because it then it's not just who runs on to the 15, it's what you do with the bench. So we saw last night that Jamison Gibson Park ended up on the wing. We cannot have Jamison Gibson Park on the wing for any period of time against New Zealand. They'll score two tries in any in, in 10-minute period. And that's nothing against Jamison Gibson Park. He's brave and great. It, we, there's just a huge, you know, and Stuart McCluskey on the bench. Stuart played really well when he was on, but he's an inside centre. He doesn't cover the back three. So it's a crisis in the back three mm. and a, a crisis of decision-making and a difficult one, a really, really difficult one. I don't envy uh, Andy Farrell and his staff with this, but th they do have to make some really tough calls. They either run with what they've got yeah. or they, they go and, look, and possibly call in Jacob Stockdale. Yeah, so we'll be keeping a look, uh, a close watch on what happens because they're going to have seen one, maybe two home so they can get some cover if they are that bad. And those guys seem to have the inside knowledge that there's an injury crisis in the outside backs, potentially all four wings. Wow, I'm only in Narawa. Get back on the plane, come back and play for Ireland maybe. All right, uh, we shall take a break. More to come. I forgot, I got a couple of clips for you from Peter Omani. Obviously, brought up his 100th test cap. He was asked for his initial reaction to the win over Scotland. Yeah, I thought it was uh, probably one of our more complete performances. Um, certainly in that first half, defensively, um, I thought we were all over it. Um, and I thought the backs were clinical attack wise, um, you know, very impressive. So, um, look, we've. Yeah, well, no, we've, we'll have bigger fish to fry, and um, you know it's it's um, you know it's a special place to be. Obviously, you know uh, I'm not gonna say otherwise. It was a massive week for for myself personally and and the people around me. But the boys made it so special. Um, I thought it was going to be you know all over the place with nerves, but incredibly enjoyable week. I just said to them there and and, and thanked them hugely for um, you know their effort they put in tonight. It was off the wall. And there was some argy-bargy in that game. Uh, pretty much front and centre was Peter O'Mahony. Um, he was asked about that. Well, that's part and parcel of rugby. Um, it's a physical game. Um, you know, they were they were in the press beforehand saying they were going to knock us off our, uh, our winning streak and, um, you know, how, how they had the... Uh, how they had figured us out and worked us out. And um, I don't think they did tonight. And after one o'clock, we're going to bring you some of the Samoan press conference, but just a couple of little quick grabs. Steve Borthwick, England's performance, uh, his narrow win over Samoa. So the first thing I'll say is immense credit to Samoa. I thought they played, I thought they played brilliantly. They talked about it being their World Cup final, and that's exactly how they played. And um, they really test us, forced us into a lot of errors. Um, so it was a very scrappy performance for long periods by us um, and a real tough test. And I think that as we look towards now, as I, as I can look towards next week, what would I want it today? A really tough test. And that's exactly what we got. So whilst there was lots of things that weren't at the required standards, 
uh, required standard. There was lots of um, errors, mistakes, scrappiness. Um, and for a period, there was, a, there was too many penalties conceded. The, what then happened was the players got hold of it on the pitch and found a way to get the result at the end of the day. Then to Owen Farrell, he was asked if that was the type of game they needed heading into the quarterfinals. I think it's good that we've had a tough, a tough, tough test match. Um, Samoa are, are a tough team and they showed that in, in many different ways today. Um, and as I said, we, they put us under pressure at times um, and that, that, can only, that can only put us in good stead. And it's now what we do with, with that performance and how we, how we take them learnings and, and put it into our preparations going into next week. Learnings. Come on, Fiji. Get over the top of England in the quarters. Monday, 4 o'clock. I'm just going to get up so I can watch them. Go down! Uh, we'll take our last break before the news. A few text messages, news, Samoa, lots more to come. Righto, we're going to chuck the lines open after 1 o'clock. Uh, fill us up with your sporting experiences over the weekend. We've got a lot of text messages coming in. Uh, one from Mark says, I wonder how forthcoming with his time for the interviews Foster will be after the Irish game if the All Blacks lose. I would say he'll front up and do one, the post-match conference, and then we potentially won't hear from him Again, Steph, have we got the referee appointments for the quarterfinals? All Blacks will need a lot of luck and a couple of cards to beat the Irish. Trouble is, they are very disciplined and well coached, that being Ireland. Yes, they are. Um, Steph, I've got a bit of a hunch that Finlay Christie will be on the bench. I've heard a whisper. I'm not saying it will be, but experience might just count on this occasion. I'm almost prepared to have a side bet with you, Ken. I don't think he will. I think they'll stick with Cam Roygaard. I do. Um, Staff, we have a secret weapon in Joe Schmidt. Um, we will win from Ken. Yes, Joe Schmidt. If you could pick anyone in the All Blacks coaching box to take on the Irish, it would be Joe Schmidt. I just don't Can we beat their defence? I really don't know. Give us a call. 0800 150 811. The lines are open. Isn't it amazing? And, and Steve texts us through saying, Kia ora, Steph, I forgot to mention, how good was the Irish crowd singing Zombie? Not only have I have I got team envy, I've got supporter envy. It was outstanding. And seeing Bundyaki walk around the stadium, his little girl on his shoulders, his other child running around his feet, um, singing along with the crowd, various songs. Uh, just fantastic. The atmosphere there. It's just fantastic. Um, from Peter Mack, I think we will beat Ireland. Bundy is the key man to nullify. Best midfielder in the tournament so far. Sexton is good, but he's got a couple of dents in his sternum, and our Lucy's will make him look up to see who is coming. We will need those, f- those few seconds. Offensive defence will get them. They'll have a good game plan. Uh, Brian, I was quite surprised that the All Blacks are only paying $2. Feels a bit short, I thought. Um, I'll address that. I think it's very short. I, I, 
I think their true price is north of 250. Um, but Ireland do have this inverted commas injury crisis with their wings. Um, they might be forced to play, uh, bring in brand new players into a system. If they do, that's where we'll target, I would imagine, try and get it out there. Um, but yeah, I think their true price is 250 minimum. Um, full disclosure, when I saw the 180 on Ireland, I jumped on it. <laughs> I jumped on straight away. I've actually taken a multi-island South Africa. Um, and also, as for SVG, he put on a clinic, and I'll miss him not being in the supercars. Brian, it was an absolute clinic. He's just such a pro. Such a pro at saving tyres when he needs to, saving petrol when he needs to. Just smooth, clinical, never in doubt. Uh, from Brian and Whangarei, g'day staff, all this talk about rugby, but we witnessed an absolute clinic yesterday at Bathurst. What a way to leave supercars. Damn shame SVG is leaving. It won't be the same without him. He's the best in the world. Yeah, it is. Uh, I noticed in his post-race interview, they just said, you're signing off. Against it. Twice he said, I'll be back. I'll come back. Um, just where are they in the NASCAR season? Could it be that he could come down and do a, des- uh, a guest drive? I don't know. And I don't want to take away from Richie Stanaway's drive as well. He, While he's the co-driver, which is the B driver, which is supposedly the second best driver, he was out on track mixing it with the A-class drivers and passing them and duelling it up. Very excited that he's got a full-time drive uh, back in supercars next year. So, man, imagine if he just went straight back into supercars and um, just dominated or, or got a number of wins. I know SVG was... Um, really plumping for him to take his seat in his car next year but I think that's going to Brown or Davison Will Brown I think is taking SVG's seat uh, Hi Staffy when I look at the matchups across the board I can really only see three players where I feel New Zealand is stronger so this is New Zealand versus Ireland three players where I see New Zealand have a stronger player Scott Barrett at his best is possibly better than his counterpart Aaron Smith is arguably better than Gibson Park and Will Jordan is better than their wings outside of that I think they've got us everywhere including the coach's box from Aaron Aaron congratulations for taking off the all black patch Um, anywhere else Moanga Sexton Sexton's more a game administrator Richie Moonga takes on the line more, but I think game management-wise, Johnny Sexton's up there with the best in the world. Uh, but self-creating, like finding a hole himself, Richie Moonga's probably got it on him there. Uh, midfield, they've got us. I agree with Jordan. Um, in the pack, Josh van der Fleer. God, he's hard to, hard to deny. Omani, hard to deny. Good analysis, Aaron. Uh, Staff, it was a great win for the Magpies after all the off-field distractions last week. Back to Wellington this weekend we go, boys. Up the Magpies. Marshy, look, I do tip my hat to those players who found some resolve to to get back um, get back onto the rugby field, put all that stuff behind them and, and put, on a, put on a good show. And they were well down, weren't they? I think they were about, at one stage, was it 20 down? and then just from about oh, the whole second half, denied Bay of Plenty any points and just got heaps themselves. Um, Brendan, Staffy, I hear a lot at work. 
I hear a lot at work that if we win, it will be because of Joe Schmidt. And then in another conversation that if we lose, I wouldn't want to be Ian Foster. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm not a fan of Ian Foster and his coaching, but if we win, we have to thank Ian Foster for it if we are blaming him for the loss. Yeah, that's a fair comment, actually. That is a fair comment. Um, Staffy, you should try and get the referee on that did the East Coast-South Canterbury game. It'll be good to hear his reaction from the Huckers. Now, I didn't see the Huckers. I've seen a bit of talk about the Huckers, Kerry. I have seen a bit of talk about that. I might have to investigate that. We go to the phones. We go to Christchurch. Talk to Brent. G'day, Brent. G'day, mate. Uh, just been listening to the conversation, and I've kind of figured out a way a way to beat the Irish. Excellent. You know what that is? What is it? You know what that is? Send an SOS out to the lady that poisoned the All Blacks for the '95 World Cup. Get her into the camp, mate, and give them a bit of food poisoning, and then we'll beat them. Get her out of retirement from South Africa. Fly her over, business yeah. class. Yeah, get it. And uh, another suggestion. Um, I think they should really, all jokes aside, mate. Um, Try and send an SOS out to Sean Fitzpatrick, Richie McCorville, the great all-back captains, and get them to hand out their, their jerseys as a bit of extra motivation and inspiration. What do you reckon? I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that. Uh, particularly, uh, I know da- someone that hasn't been in and around the camp, I know Dan Carter spent a lot of time in with him, so probably not taking away from his aura, but it would have less impact if someone, the ilk of Sean or Richie, walked in. I think that would make... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that idea, Brent. Yeah, I, I just sort of thought about it. Thought that might sort of give them a wee bit more motivation. Mm. Otherwise, mate, yeah, they're up against it. I watched the game yesterday and just the, the iron side, mate. Aside from food, food poisoning, mate, I don't think you'll beat them. I, ju- I don't uh, think you'll beat them. It's going to be so hard to get points against them. It's just like one of the few times I've seen a team in defence and I just sit there thinking, they aren't getting through. Uh, 18 phases, one, and they're just not going to get through. Ireland are just so organised. And are they going to start Roy Gard? Or will they put him on the bench? Well, Ken thinks they'll put Finlay Christie on the bench. I think they'll start Aaron Smith. I've got nothing to suggest that they won't, but I do think Roy Gard will be on the bench. And I just think the physicality nature of an Irish test match would, I think, would lean it Roy Gard's way. Just that bigger body. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Tyrell Lomax and uh, Shannon Frizzell, they have to be actually have, drink a cup of uh, coffee full of um, tacks or nails before they go on the field, mate, just to harden them up. Yeah, I want Shannon Frizzell to have that game he had at Mount Smart Stadium against South Africa right from the get-go. Whatever they said to him, whatever he ate, however he slept, they need to replicate that because that got the whole forward pack up. Absolutely, mate. Mm. Oh, well, you enjoy the game. It's going to be a cracker. Absolutely, it is. Thanks, Brent. Thanks for calling in. 0800-150-811 is the number uh, from Tim. I think three All Blacks need to have the games of their lives to beat Ireland, and they are Geordie Barrett, Shannon Frizzell, Scott Barrett. These guys are our key ball carriers. If they can smash through the advantage line and create quick ball, we win. If not, we're in serious trouble. Can I disagree? I don't think I can. I don't think I... I think... We need to see a game from the All Blacks we haven't seen for... Well, when I say two years, I'm going to 
except for that game at Mount Smart. That was the game, I think, the best the All Blacks have played under Ian Foster and co. We need that. And that still might not be enough. I hope it is. Um, Staffy, just a shout out to Heartland Rugby. West Coast hosting a final in Greymouth after upsetting Wairarapa Bush on the weekend in the semi. Let's go West Coast. I never want to forget the uh, Heartland Rugby. It's such a fantastic competition. Um, I couldn't watch much in the week. I did watch a bit of the South Canterbury um, NPEC, Ngāti Paro East Coast game. Um, what a fantastic ground it was at Pleasant Point. Um, yeah, we'll do some more Heartland Rugby this weekend. Don't you worry about that. And also I've heard that this afternoon, hopefully the Greymouth, is it the Greymouth transmitter? Um the technicians have finally been able to get there. So all our fingers crossed, as long as they got all their right equipment, that will be um, that will be music to all of our ears. And actually, no, it'll be talk back to all of our ears. Staffy, who's Stanaway driving with next year? Uh, what's the name of the team? I'll find out for you. I'll find out for you. Uh, Geordie will take care of Bundy Key from Tim. All Blacks are Far better attacking team than Scotland, and we will break their defence. I think our forwards are ready and as good as as good as good any if our best pack is available. I'm picking a masterclass from Bowden Barrett with plenty of kicking. Can't wait. Biggest game since 2015 final. Cheers, Tim. It's a massive game. This is, this is I think, without doing any research, the biggest quarterfinal in World Cup history. In fact, both quarterfinals this weekend. And it's all because they cocked up the draw, but hey-ho. No, if you lose the final or lose the quarterfinal, no one knows. You just remember the winner, don't you? Go and ask your, your work colleague who was runner-up in the 2000, and well, everyone will remember 2011 because it was here, but you just got to win. Oh, it's, it's just mouth-watering. This weekend, it is simply mouth-watering. Um, from Mark, I just hope our Lucy's don't hit Sexton late or early because that boy can act. He can, and he's a little bit Peyton Manish, Manningish, isn't he? He's a bit protected, but looked after. He is. So, yes, don't hit him late, don't hit him early, but hit him hard and fair. Justin, kia ora, staff. I think the bench will have a massive part to play this weekend. Will Foster have the guts to make some big calls? Blackadder and McKenzie have to be there. I feel like McKenzie will be there. I feel like Barrett will start, Moonga at 10. You have to have McKenzie there. Blackadder, not sure. If he's had enough rugby, not sure. Um, I've got no qualms if he does have him there. Staffy, this Irish side reminds me of England 2003. Strong and confident forward pack with a 5'8 named Johnny pulling the strings. Cheers, Sean. Yes, very good point. Staff, three words wins next week. Pressure, defence, and discipline in capital letters. That's face from Wairarapa. Thanks, face. When the chips are down, you go to face. Right, uh, we'll take a break. Uh, on the other side, we've captured some audio um, that amazing game where Samoa should have beaten England. They should have. Um, a very reflective, uh, saddened but proud Selela Mapusua out of the Samoan camp will take his bits and pieces after the break. And if you still want to 
give us a call. You're more than welcome. 0800 150 811. Right, uh, NFL about to get underway with uh, the San Francisco 49ers against the Dallas Cowboys, two of the biggest names in the NFL. Um, Just the Philadelphia Eagles after just five games. They're the only unbeaten team so far. They're the only team that are 5-0, which is just incredible. And if you're an NFL fan, remember you can catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass. It's only on DAZN. Visit nfldazone.com forward slash NFL and you spell DAZN, D-A-Z-N. Let's have a pry into the post-match press conference. Selala uh, Mapasu, who's done, I think, done a wonderful job with Manu Samoa at this World Cup. Ask for his initial thoughts on that devastating loss. Yeah, that, that was a tough one. Um, but lost for words, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, if anything, um, as I said in my um, post-match interview, um, um, my, heart, my heart breaks for these boys. Um, I thought they deserved uh, a lot more than than they got from that game, and uh, I felt that we um, we did enough to earn a earn earn, earn a victory. Um, such as the cruel nature of a sport, it wasn't to be. Um, but in terms of the effort, um, <laughs> it's a it's it's a, it's a pretty tough one to take. You just have to feel for the man, don't you? You can hear it in his voice. Uh, was asked him about Samoan rugby after getting knocked out of the World Cup. Where to from here for the national team? I think that there's a lot to to have a look at in terms of um, uh, getting here. Um, you know, once once we're here, um, you know, it's not a coincidence that we're playing our best um, by the fourth by the fourth game. Um, I think we seriously need to have a look at um, our program, both internally and, and, and on the global scale, um, in terms of the games we're, we're playing, um, the exposure. Um, we, we can get to these um, tough matches um, against, against Tier 1 teams. Um, so moving forward, I think there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of work to do. But I think if, um, uh, we'll, we'll have a look at tomorrow, tomorrow. And just building on the back of that answer, he was asked about that performance against England. And on the back of that performance, does he feel Samoa deserve more Tier 1 games? I've always thought that. I've always thought there's been a case. And, and um, unfortunately, it's performance is not enough. Um, at, at the moment, but I, but I think there's enough there to show that uh, um, no, uh, with a little bit more of, of everything, then uh, no, we're, we can be pretty competitive at, um, at, at, at this level against teams like, like, like England. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. Answered it for me. Um, now, Silila Mapasua and Michael Alatawa, the skipper, were both asked if they think there's an unconscious bias from the officials when Tier 1 teams play a Tier 2 team. I believe there is. Uh, I believe there has been in the past. And it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's anyone's fault. I think it's just, uh, it, it, it's, it's what I've seen in, in our game for, you know, for the last... Uh, I don't know how many years from when I was playing, so 
Yeah, like I agree with what what coach is saying. Uh, like from what I've seen from all Pacific nations um, in the past, when they've played games, it's like you need to you need to get make the most of every opportunity you have. To, you need to nail everything um, to get an outcome. And if you don't, then um, it's going to cost you. And that's like whether it's an error or a skilled error or or um, giving penalties away. And yeah, so it's. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'd say yes. They both say yes. They both say yes. Um, quite strong words, actually, or quite strong opinion, actually. And finally, uh, Coach Mapasua, how do you reflect on the World Cup campaign as a whole? Hindsight's a beautiful thing, um, but off, off the top of my head, just reflecting back on it, um, uh, I've seen two um, a win. Um, two great performances and, and, and two performances that uh, we should have been better at. So um, looking back on it, I've got to I'll look at, um, I'll review myself first and, and, and have a look at, um, like, uh, in terms of the whole program leading up to um, leading up to the, the Rugby World Cup over the last uh, two years. But um, the first word or emotion that kind of comes to mind is just proud. Mm. Proud, proud of this group. Um, grateful for um, my staff and, and, and support staff. And um, uh, 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 on the field, I said to um, Miracle Failangi, one of the youngest members in our team, just get excited about what's ahead. You know, this is, you've had a taste. So uh, it's, a, it's a different message I said to. Probably one of the veterans, <laughs> but um, you know, that's that's the exciting part. Is you know, we've got some guys coming through now who can um, really take this team forward. It's really interesting, isn't it, that all the Tier Two nations say they want more exposure to Tier One nations. They want more meaningful campaigns. All of the coaches and captains from Tier One nations are saying the, exactly the same thing about the Tier Two nations. We want to play them more. They need more exposure. So they're getting it from both. I'm very interested to see what World Rugby do in the next World Cup cycle. Uh, now, the calendars are probably set for next year, uh, the next 12 months when it comes to test calendars. Uh, but the public, the Tier 1 teams and the Tier 2 teams want something done. They want what they want something done. So I'm really interested to see if World Rugby do anything about it. Um, God, I hope so. Uh, so Sean asked who's Stanway driving with next year, and Matt from Masterton texted in and said Stanway's driving for Penwright Racing. So there you go. Thank you, Matt. In Masterton, Penwright Racing, he will be. Uh, Staffy, for me, if Frizzell, Cody Taylor, and Scott Barrett have great games, we will be competitive. Also, Aaron Smith is key. That's from Nick P. Tend to agree. Uh, Charles says, Mark Talia always takes out three defenders and then punches the gaps around those. All through this tournament, All Blacks just need to give, uh, All Blacks just need to have lots of fun. Things are happening all the time and stop comparing it to league as they are both different games and what makes rugby so good is the difference. Um, don't think I compared it to league. I embrace the difference between the two team between the two games. Very different, very similar but very different. Charles, I'm not comparing it to league. Uh, right, we will take a break for new sport and weather. Great to have Karen McCarthy doing that for us today.
Give us a call. Phone lines are still open. 0800 150 811. You can talk about the Heartland, the NPC, the World Cup, Shane Van Gisbergen and Richie Stanaway. Anything at all you want to talk about, we're here for you. We'll take the news. Let's go to the phones. Darren in Australia. Hello, Darren. Hey, Staffy. How are you, mate? Yeah, what a weekend. Loved it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've got any nerves left after Wellington. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, um, I've got a question for you. In a percentage, how confident are you we're going to beat Ireland on the weekend? Ooh. And I'll do decimal points if that helps. I would <laughs> say if it's not who I want to win, it's who I think will win. I think it's Ireland 65-35. Oh, really? Mm. Jeez. Okay. All right. <laughs> not what I wanted to hear. Well, I'm just, it's, there's still, you know, a third chance. So they play three times. I think we win one of them. Oh, that's what happened last year. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, it's going to be. I've actually got Monday off next week. So wise. I can watch the quarterfinals. <laughs> wise. Very, very wise. Maybe I'll do the same. No, I couldn't do this. I couldn't disappear from here. Oh, next Monday's going to be epic. <laughs> Oh, you'll have so much to talk about. I think your eyeballs will be hanging out of your head, though. They but, will. Uh, they will. Yeah. Nah, what a what a great weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched um, the Romania-Fiji this morning. That was an absolute ripping game. Romania-Tonga. Sorry. Uh, no, the Fiji game. Portugal, sorry. Oh, Fiji-Portugal. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a stonking yeah. oh. game. Oh, I am worried about Fiji in the quarter, though. The, the, the nerves got to them. I am too, and I'm just wondering if they're starting to feel the campaign, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, they, they're using yeah. pretty much the same players every game. Um, yep. Because they had to win. Well, they didn't have to win. They had to get a point out of today, so they did. And I'm just wondering if they, they've peaked. Maybe they've peaked. I hope not. Yeah, well, they had to peak early, didn't they? Mm. So, yeah, but um, I felt so sorry for Samoa. Oh, same. And a question for you: The try was awarded. He kicked it, and then they disallowed it. How can they do that? They actually can. I went diving into the rules, and uh, since so pre TMO, you couldn't. Post, since TMO's been involved, if they have absolutely conclusive evidence, even though the conversion's been kicked, and they can get to the referee before um, the restart on halfway, it can be overturned. So. They didn't break any rules, but it was yuck. It was yuck. Oh, I was just like, oh, gosh. I mean, they so deserved to win that game. It really felt for them. They played some really nice rugby. Yeah, they did. They did. And it's just like, it was the same as Portugal. You know, the passion of their last game and just chuck the kitchen sink. And, you know, I I never thought I'd say that a Portugal game, a a Tongan game, a Fiji game would delight me. Uruguay, they've been fantastic contributors to the World Cup. Oh, and Portugal, I mean, they'll be partying for the rest of the week. Yes. I'll <laughs> be, be loving it. <laughs> so. I, I don't quite know how Portuguese party. What is it? Um, sangria and tapas? I don't know how Portuguese uh, celebrate, but good on them. Fantastic. I just thought they'd, they'd be baking a lot of tarts. Is that right? Oh, Portuguese tarts? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's going to yeah. be a fantastic... And, uh, and it's so, so good that Van Gisberg got it done. 
I mean, what a way to go out. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. Just brilliant. Um, not not a classic race full of highlights, but a fantastic highlight, having him just go out and saying, I'm the man, which we all knew he was anyway. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, must, I must admit that the, the team bosses must be thrilled when he wins, and then he just goes and ruins the back wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just carnage, wasn't it? Awesome. All right, yeah. Darren, good chatting, buddy. Thanks, mate. Cheers. See you, boy. Darren out of Australia. Um, A quick uh, TRB update for you. TRB.co.nz, download the app. It's all there for you. R18, gamble responsibly. Quarterfinals prices. Wales 162, Argentina 220. Coin flip for me. Ireland 177, New Zealand 195. It's a coin flip, but it's a three-sided coin for me. And two of them have got a four-leaf clover on them. I don't want to be right. I'm just so impressed with Ireland's defence that they're just going to make scoring points so, so difficult. We are going to have to be excellent. If we are, we can win. If we're not, we can't win. That's my feeling. Please be excellent, All Blacks. Please. I've still got my All Black hat on. I still want it to happen. Ireland 137, Fiji 290. A couple of weeks ago, I thought Fiji would beat England. After this morning against Portugal, how can they pick themselves up? Will they pick themselves up? Have they played their best game already? England weren't so flash. But get in their grill, Fiji. Send England home. And then France 175, South Africa 197. I, I like South Africa in that matchup. I really, really do. Um... I'll do some more later. I'll do some more later, but I, I just want to talk about the cricket and Ravinia, who is our cricket nuffy at SENZ here. Um, good start to the World Cup, mainly because New Zealand won and Australia lost, is that, and England lost. So good times for you as a cricket fan, Robbie? Triple whammy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I think uh, Smithy summed it up well in the commentary. You know, New Zealanders would have gone to bed the night before thinking, well, if we could just beat England what a start to the World Cup campaign it would be. Uh, and then, yeah, to wake up, I mean, I woke up and I was like, is this some sort of replay or joke or, like, what what's happening? Um, because, yeah, see, see, seeing that score, I think we still needed about 60 or 70-odd, but um, off, off a lot of overs, and, yeah, it was pretty much guaranteed at that point. Um, yeah, it's just just absolutely ridiculous. We ju- we just outplayed them. Um, yeah, it was a great toss to win. Uh, to be able to see kind of what the pitch was going to do, uh, they got off to a a bit a bit of a bit of a flyer. But uh, but yeah, we were really able to um, restrict them through the middle there, and that proved um, quite crucial. Because two eighty two for nine, it's prob it's probably nearly a pass mark. Um, but we absolutely destroyed them. Pakistan destroyed the Netherlands. They are our next. Up opponent tonight. Netherlands tonight. Netherlands, dollar five nine dollars. Um, we can't lose that, can we? Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd think not. Um, c- considering just how cricket is, and you never see anything coming, uh, it's it's definitely possible. But yeah, considering yeah, Pakistan, um, Netherlands actually started reasonably well they against did. Pakistan. A few a few uh, few early wickets, but. But yeah, the I think I think the batting I think realistically we need a bowl first again, knock them over for two hundred if we can, let them get to that, uh, and then yeah, it'll be the same thing of just like 
focusing on not losing our wicket and the runs will come. Bangladesh got past Afghanistan. Uh, South Africa put up telephone numbers, 428 for five or South Africa is scary. They are far out. That's like we, we beat them by seven runs on DLS in a warm-up. Um, but, yeah, it's considering, yeah, three of them got centuries, um, only just. I think it was like 108, 106, 100 or something. Exactly oh, right. Nailed it. Seen that scoreboard too many times. Uh, and Heinrich Klaassen is potentially the scariest uh, white ball cricketer to bowl to. Um, and he only got 30 of them. And they still got 428 for five. Markram, 106 off 54 balls. Yeah, it's crazy. That's just phenomenal. I mean, yeah, it was was only against Sri Lanka, but... And then lastly, Australia, look, this score looks dreadful. All out for 199. India got it with nine overs to spare. That is a spanking. Yeah, it, um, there were a couple moments where it could have gone... The other way, um, only slight moments. Mitch Marsh went early for Australia, and then uh, it was Warner and Smith looked quite quite comfortable. Um, but yeah, then by the looks of things, once they went, they didn't really have much else. Um, and then in the Indian innings, I think they were like five for three. Um, so the Australian new ball bowlers went crazy. Uh, and then um, yeah, I think it was Coley was Two one of them. Two for three. Two for three. Three wickets oh, for two, two runs. For three. Um, and then, yeah, the two, the two after that, I think it was Coley and Shreyas Iyer, maybe? Coley got 85 and Rahul got Cal 97. Rahul. Cal Rahul. Yeah, so they um, they just took it away from Aussie. Um, yeah, they, do, they just don't really have the, the spin attack to um, to just really... Australia, rest- you mean? Yeah, restrain teams. Um, yeah, like once you get past the first kind of 10 overs, it's like you're pretty fine against the Aussie bowling attack. They just don't look as dangerous. And I think the Indian conditions are a big part of that. No Nathan Ryan. No, not a white ball. You got Adam Zampa. You're going to have Ashton Agar. He got ruled out. That's about it. You got your you got your Steve Smith, Manus Labashane as part time. Labashagni. Labashagni. Yes. Okay. Cricket World Cup tonight, nine thirty. Uh, New Zealand against the Netherlands. Dollar five nine dollars. England are warm favourites over the Dish. Pakistan warmish favourites over the Lankans. India hot favourites over Afghanistan. Australia are favourites over South Africa. What's going on there, Robbie? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um, but it also won't really surprise me if South Africa won because of everything we just said. But in terms of you know history and the teams that they do have, again, it doesn't surprise me Australia are favourites. But, yeah, I, I, would, I would be a bit nervous if I was an Aussie fan taking mm-hmm. on South Africa, especially losing the first game. Yes. All right, we'll take a break, and Robbie's back, uh, back on the mic straight after this because his inimitable quality of what's making news is next. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Let's find out from Rabinio. Let's find out. Um, bit short for time today uh, because of our riveting cricket chat. So we're going to get straight into it. Got a world record. Excellent. It's uh, quite a visual one, unfortunately. Okay. 
Um, which is great for radio, I know. So I can only apologise. But a 15-year-old from India spent 41 days using playing cards to build replicas of four buildings from his home city of Kolkata, breaking a Guinness World Record in the process. Finished project, playing cards, 40 feet long, 11 feet 4 inches high, 16 feet 8 inches wide, breaking the world record for the largest playing card structure. Amazing. Broke the record, of course, set by Brian Berg, who's playing card structure. Minnesota. Of three Macau hotels, oh. minuscule in comparison, uh, measured 34 feet and one inch long, nine feet five inches tall, 11 feet and seven inches wide, just just horrible numbers. Um, but yeah, he said he said he used about 143,000 cards to build replicas Jeez. of the Writers Building, the Shahid Minar, Salt Lake Stadium, and St Paul's Cathedral. Wow. Said his 41-day process was slowed. When the Shahid Minar did what houses of cards are most famous for doing, falling, falling down. down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so many hours and days of work got wiped out. Had to do it all over again. But for me, there was no turning back, he told Guinness World Records. Nice. So, good record for him. Second story. Um, pff, this isn't a world record, but it's just, it's just great, isn't it? Uh, the World Conquers Championships mm. in England have raised controversy with a rules change to overcome a difficult issue. Squishy chestnuts. <laughs> now, conkers, I don't actually know what conkers was, but traditional schoolyard game. Uh, each player drills a hole in a chestnut and strings it on a lace. The players then take turns hitting one another's chestnuts, also known as conkers, until one of them breaks. Now, there's a championship apparently, and... Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm, lo- I'm lost for words, Steph, at what, what these people in the UK are getting up to, but apparently the chestnuts harvested for this year's competition were found to be too soft and mushy as uh, a result of severe weather, mm. causing them to fall from trees too early. Oh. Yeah. Cl- classic, I know. Congregate. Yep. And uh, decision to bake the chestnuts, which are provided by contest organisers, has proven controversial, uh, controversial to some players, as well as organisers of other conquers contests who see hardening the chestnuts as hearsay for the sport. <sighs> World Conquest Championships scheduled for Sunday in Northamptonshire. This Tune Sunday? Yep. This coming Sunday? Yep. Cool. What's making news next Monday? What's making news? Uh, and quickly, I've, I've, I've got another world record and we do have just enough time to play it. This guy's from YouTube and I'm going to let uh, him explain it to you himself. It took me six years to finally break this Guinness world record. I'm trying to break the world record for the furthest distance to shoot a pump-powered rocket into a target. Current record, 89 feet. Today, we are going for 104 feet. I applied in November of 2017. In 2023, my son received a dino stomp rocket for his birthday, reigniting my passion to break this record. I tested it out and it worked. I practiced. I practiced with my kids. Then I realized it might even be better if I got one with rounded ends. So I got a backup one in case a cheap plastic part broke. I dialed in the precise aim and taped the launcher down. I then calibrated my stomp. I then let the rockets fly pump after pump after pump. My stomp became more attuned to the pressure needed to reach the other side of the gym. I had rockets just miss. Some skipped off the ground and landed in the target. Finally, one sailed true. It felt good from the launch. I yelled, come on! And I ran to the target celebrating. My name is David Rush, and I try to break a Guinness World Records title every week. Every week? Every week? Every week he's doing a Guinness World Record. We need um, to give him a slot on the show. Get him on the show, exactly. Uh, a couple of quick facts. 
Sun makes up more than 99% of our solar system's mass, apparently. Ridiculous. And it's also white, not yellow. Goodness me. And every time you lick a stamp, you consume one-tenth of a calorie, <laughs> apparently. Well, there you go. Let's hear it for franking machines. Uh, we have to take an air break. Uh, good text message here says, Hi, Staffy. Ireland started to look tired during the second half of their game. They've had a punishing pull to play in and have, have the shorter recovery time this week. If we can keep the game tight in the first half and attack the rucks without giving away penalties to tie them out, we will get them in the second half and take the game. You, sir, or ma'am, need to be in the dressing room before they start. Staffy, is the cricket on the radio anywhere? Couldn't find it, eh? Marshy, we don't have the rights. I'm not actually sure who does. But I think they were dished out before we even started. They've done a long, long way in advance. Can the Black Caps fans adopt the Warriors catch cry and we can shout, up the blahs? Probably not the same ring to it, (laughs) Rory. How many diving boards and 40 feet of playing cards from Chris? Um, 120. It's my guess. Chris, unless you know the answer. Neil Barnes, coach of Taranaki Bulls, after the news. And the ball has been lost for it. And that's it. Taranaki are through to the semi-finals of the Bunnings NPC. They're quite pulsating. Quarter-final here. One of real character. And for the first time since 2017... They beat Tasman 34 points to 18. And what a time to turn them over in a quarterfinals match uh, at home. The Taranaki Bulls have been sneaky good all year. And joining us now is the head coach of said Taranaki Bulls, Neil Barnes, joins us. Barnsy, great to have you on the show today. And I hear you've just finished training for the day. Yeah, we went a little bit over time. Um, very unusual for me. Um, <laughs> It's a little bit of sarcasm, but yeah. Um, no, nah, mate, we just walked in the door, but it's good. Got a bit of content in this morning. What are the what are the reaction to the team like? Thirty four eighteen suggests a bit of a hiding, but Tasman threw absolutely everything at you. No, that's definitely not a hiding. Um, what, mate? They did a great job. Their um, work they did on us during the week and shut us down in the first half. And to be honest. At halftime, I thought we were lucky to be 13 all, but um, part of that is just to do with the heart the boys showed defending. I think they must have had about 60 to 70% of the territory in possession in the first half. Um, but we seized on a couple of moments, um, which is important in big games, and went into the shed at 13 all, and then we changed a few things up on what we did in the second half, which paid dividends for us. Yeah, I really felt like uh, the win was based on your defence and we're seeing that more and more, almost any game, not just rugby union nowadays, you're building on defence because when Tasman were throwing everything at you, you guys, um, it's attitude. Defence is all about attitude and they really did man up. You must have been proud of them. Yeah, the effort was out the gate. Um, We're not a... um we're not playing a game that's similar to too many other teams. Um, we are an attack-based team, um, but at the same time, when you get to the stage of the year, the amount of effort you're wanting to put in on defence is massive um, to try and limit the other team and their scoring opportunities. But if, if we'd leaked two or three tries in the first half, she would have been just about over. Um, but uh, psychologically, to go into the sec- into half-time, level with them, knowing we weren't at our best, and then take it up a cog in the second half. Um, and then we just, again, seized on a couple of key moments um, in the second half, and Potros came on and put a ball in behind, and we towed it length of the field and scored. And then 
from a 22 dropout having the courage just to do a little one and play um, something they wouldn't have expected. Um, took us right into their territory and then a couple of hard carries and cleans and we got a, a nice tight try after that. Just in those 15 minutes, we blew them away. You, you mentioned Potros. I also want to point to Rona. Um, you've got some good impact off the bench, and what you asked for them is to be difference makers, and, the, and they really were. Um, the importance of your impact players really showed out in that game. Yeah, um, I thought the bench performed really well, um, and it becomes a strength of a team um, when you've got depth in every position and you're struggling to find out who you can put on the field, but it hasn't always been that way all year. Um, quite often we've gone really deep into our squad and um, we've had to slog our way through some games to get results, in particular Auckland, because we were on our knees that day as far as injuries and sickness and, you know, it was all ch- all changed. But we've got to a stage now where we've got a couple of big players back in the way of Lord and Rona um, and got some minutes out of them this week, so they'll be better for it next week. You know, hopefully we get a couple more by the end of this week back on deck as well. So... Yeah, I'd like to think we're in a reasonable position to perform well again on the weekend, but it'll be a hell of a contest against Canterbury. I think I'm right in saying at the start of the season, you only had three new players in your squad from last year, which would be the most settled compared to other teams in the NPC. Has that helped you this year? Oh, 100% it does. I think if you asked any coach, being able to have some consistency in your squad, um, you can just layer and layer more detail in as you go along. When you've got a young, new squad, you've got to get experience. But we've got a good mixture. Like the good thing about picking your team out of local club and local players is that they're normally going to stay. It's not a shifting population. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're living on the back of a lot of good years of work that's done by others before I got here and then been able to keep them happy and, um, yeah, a consistent squad. It's a big help to us. Your season had an interesting shape. Um, four wins, three losses, four wins. Um, what your third of the three losses was to Tasman, and it was an eleven-point loss. Yeah. Could, did you identify what flicked the switch to get back to the winning ways? Um, look, the first two of our losses, um, we created so much in those games, and we just didn't take you know the opportunities that were presented to us, and so it was our own fault that we lost. I didn't actually feel beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tasman, um, they beat us up at the contact. There's no question about it. They carried harder. They cleaned well. Just the basics of the game, they were all over us. But even in that game, we butchered three or four tries. So like I said earlier, like we're playing a game where we're trying to create opportunities. It's higher risk um, than a lot of other people's footy. But at the end of the day, I think the rewards are there if you can actually nail your skill sets. Last question for you, talking to Neil Barnes, head coach of Taranaki, uh, earning their way into the semis this weekend. Just as a, just a generalised question, you started the season off with Storm Week. Um, yeah. I, I potentially think that's, if you have to have a Storm Week, maybe the start of the season is the right time. But are you a fan of Storm Week, or do you think we should simply play one more week of regular season? Mate, I don't know whether you've been loaded with that question, but I'm pretty passionate about that one. The Storm Week's got to disappear. Yeah. There's no level of rugby where you do that to players. Um, it's brutal. It can make or break a season for teams. Like last year, we had it in the last week of the, and we were already on our knees with injuries. Mm. Uh, it just broke us. Um, and I, I think if you spoke to any of the coaches through the competition, um, they'd feel the same way. So for us to have our storm week at the start was a blessing because like, we had most of the squad available and got through it with three wins and 15 points, and it set us up for the season. Um, but it's not a big shift to make. Um, it's something that the people in the powers of B 
They've just got to put their heads together in the same room and sort it out. It's not good enough. If you went to the All Black selectors and told them they had to play three weeks in a row, they'd still kick you for touch. Mm. To tell us we have to play three games in a week is ridiculous. Um, It's not good. I understand the reasons at now, but it's nothing you can't change. No, to me, I know I don't know why you start a week earlier or you finish a week later, or it's yeah. purely that simple. Yeah, I've, don't worry, I've been through this when we got the new competition together. We tried to get that all sorted. It's got nothing to do with Super Rugby. They're, they're happy to have that situation. It's nothing to do with the players' association. At the moment the players and NPC have a contract that's twelve weeks long. All that needs to be is changed. Mm. Brilliant, Neil. Well, you must be looking forward to like a playoff game at home against many time winners in Canterbury. I'm expecting your whole province, even though it's only Monday, will be fully fizzed to head to Yarrows this weekend. Well, I certainly hope so. Like you feel them when they're there, like we play for them. Um, it's pretty deep in our roots as who we're playing for. So. Yeah, it'd be really nice to have the place full and feel their energy on the weekend. Actually, I've just had a couple of text messages from listeners. If you don't mind, I'll put them to you. Uh, yeah. It's Stephen here. Can you please ask Barnsley about the boy Ratu? He's played a couple of games but hasn't had much ball to showcase his skills. What's his plan? Um, Willem's actually awesome. He's, a, he's very, very young and green, come out of club rugby. So, yeah, he, he will have developed a lot this year. Um, you just have to look at the cattle in front of him at the moment um, with Kenny Naholo and Jacob Rudd and Tavuki Neepkins and Vedaniki Tegia Solomoni are all in really good form. So it's one of those things that, you know, you've got to earn your stripes at this level. But, mate, what a talent coming through. And I'd like to think he'll be here for a lot of years. Last one's from a Marco fan. <laughs> Just a warning. Disgruntled Marco supporter here. But can you please ask the Taranaki coach if he thought it was a penalty try? And by the way, I don't think it impacted the final result as the Marco have been consistent throughout the whole season. Up the Naki, you well deserved your win. Do you think it was a penalty try? Um, yeah, it's a 50-50 call. I've seen a view which um, the TV people haven't got where he actually does grab the arm just before he catches it. Um, so I actually think it is. But it is one of those grey ones where it's hit and go. But you get some of those and you don't get some of those. The game was all, were already two tries up, what he said about affecting the result. But on the other side of it, like there was a mall just before half time that was going in and uh, Tasman Marco Hooker got away with dropping it right on the line, um, which should have been a penalty try. So you can just concentrate on one, one spot, um, but I tend to look at the big picture of things. You get some, you miss some. It was a 50-50, but 100% he should not have touched him before he got the ball because his hand comes in on one view and grabs hold of an arm and lets it go again. Well, Neil Barnes, congratulations on the season so far. I know it's not mission accomplished yet, but well done on everything you've achieved and uh, looking forward to your semi-final this uh, Friday night. Cheers, so are we. There he is, Neil Barnes, the head coach of Taranaki. Right, we're going to replay you something that was on the Bunnings Trade rugby run yesterday with uh, Mark Watson, Steve Devine, and they had Mike Rogers, uh, the head coach of Manawatu. That's not why I'm playing it, but Rubinho, who was producing that show yesterday, said it was a really good snapshot of uh, domestic rugby in New Zealand. So we'll replay that chat to you now. A somewhat indifferent season for the Manawatu MPC site. Joining us on the programme now, and very graciously, and we do appreciate his time this afternoon, is their coach, Mike Rogers. Afternoon to you, Mike. Good afternoon, mate. It um, seems like a lifetime away, that game, eh? So if only we could have um, 
put push the stop button on the season at that point might have been bloody good. <laughs> if only it was a lifetime away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Stevie, hey, hey, Mike, I want to ask you. I mean, how do you? How is it that a team? I'm curious by this. How is it a team that can get up at Eden Park, beat Auckland, and then yet, I guess not played at that same level against arguably lesser teams um, that then follow? Mate, really good question. I haven't figured out the answer to that yet, but hopefully over the summer with a bit of time to reflect, I can um, yeah, come up with some of the solutions, I guess. But um, I've, I have thought about it quite a bit, and I reckon new coach comes into a team, you always get an uptick in terms of performance and effort and stuff, and... I think over the first five weeks are actually really good. You know, we lost closely to Wellington and Taranaki. Canterbury gave us sort of a hiding, and then we beat Northland and Auckland on the bounce. But um, like anything, when there's not too much substance to it, it kind of always falls away, you know. So, yeah, there's lots of work to be done over the off-season in terms of how we can rectify that. And we've got a really young group. Um, some of them struggled with the day-to-day rigours of being a professional rugby player. Um, some other guys did really well, but, you know, it's um, no simple answers. Yeah, where do you ultimately draw your talent pool from? How deep is it, and how wide is that talent pool? Um, the union's got a strategy which I back fully to try and grow a home homegrown team. Now the reality is, um, before I was brought on board as a coach, I'd signed ten young fellows out of the academy into the NPC team for the first time, and some of those boys did really well, and some of them really struggled, and so. I've got a proposal in front of the union at the moment around how we can do this properly in terms of growing our academy and resourcing it appropriately. Um, the next significant investment, you know, we can't... It's, not, it's a non-sustainable model just to go out there and find, you know, 10 new guys from inside or outside the region and, and try and be competitive. Like, I think there's 246 rugby players in New Zealand now, and we had four. So... Um, stark contrast for some teams that have, you know, up, upwards, upwards of 25, so... We've got a lot of work to do to build this, but I'm fully committed, so we'll see how we go. Mate, what are the biz, biggest obstacles? Obviously, some of the bigger unions probably have um, a little bit more money and uh, facilities and those sorts of things. What, what are your biggest obstacles as, as Manawatu? How do we get you guys, um, you know, what challenges are you guys facing? Oh, mate, we produce talent, but the reality is over the last five years, we haven't retained it. <clears throat> so there's a whole bunch of guys playing for other NPC teams and Super rugby teams that originate from um, from the money or two, so you don't have to look. You know, it's a few guys playing for the All Blacks that have never put the money or two jersey on at an NPC level, like the White Locks and Cody Taylor and guys like that. And for every one of those, there's five more that are super rugby players or really good NPC players. So ultimately, I think we've got to give people something to believe in and we need to have a strategy around how we're going to grow this and actually have some patience to stick at it because it's it literally is a you know, three to five year deal to actually build your own team and retain your best talent and we've done a pretty good job of keeping uh, the New Zealand schools players around. The majority of them have, have decided to stay, which is which is cool, but um, may have did that for the last five years. It'll be a different story. You'd have 15 or so super rugby players running around. So, um, yeah, the hard part is getting people to, I guess, be patient and stick with it because um, there's no easy fix. Mate, how's your club competition down there? Obviously, you're producing uh, players. Is your club competition strong? Uh, not particularly. So it's a seven-team competition. So there's very few guys that are running around in club land at the moment that have the capability of being NPC players. Um, 
but again, that's our, our obligation to try and fix that with, you know, if we can be bringing, you know, we're retaining 15 young fellows into our academy every year and stopping club rugby that way, it'll, it'll only strengthen it. Um, but again, that's a long-term a long term um, fix to a pretty acute problem. Hmm. Uh, I've been very critical of New Zealand rugby and the fact that um, the erosion of the domestic game at this country, everything seems to be about the All Blacks and, um, you know, NPC. A lot of people think that should be the focus, that should be the competition in this country. It was arguably once the best provincial competition in the world, but doesn't seem to be quite that same level of engagement from the public now. I don't think it's a point of view into the default setting. What's the answer? Where do you sit on this? What what do we need to do to get the MPC back up to where it was? I think the first step is we need to be creative in looking at the at the problem. You know, why are people not engaging with this product? Um, you know, not just say that it it's oversaturation because it's literally not like there's no. I think the Hurricanes played one game in a month or two this year for the first time in about four or five years, and they got a good crowd. But other than that. The turbos are the team, right? And, and still only you know, a thousand to two thousand people are tuning up uh, to watch it. So I think we can have a look at some other sports models in terms of how they do things around a draft and a salary cap that actually actually works. Spread some talent around and, and try and drive some engagement that way. Like we're, mate, I think we're still operating the 1980s model in a in the <laughs> 2023, and it's um, yeah, young people aren't really. Uh, that engaged by just turn up and watch your local team every or once a fortnight or whatever you know. Like, there's so many things that we could be doing to make it a hell of a lot more attractive. What are those? I think, fresh, I think, needs, oh, I mean, I think having a draft would be great. You know, so you top 50 kids of the, in the country going to a draft and one or two finish 13th this year. So you might get a couple more picks than what Canterbury get, and Canterbury obviously wouldn't want that because they're in a pretty strong position. But man, it's killing this. It's killing rugby in New Zealand. So. A salary cap that at the moment only two or three teams actually can get to it. Everybody else is paying significantly under that. Like the point of a salary cap should be to spread talent around, not save unions from going broke. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that we could be doing. Um, I've spent a couple of years in MLR and they've done a fantastic job in terms of creating something from nothing. There are no people in the US that actually support rugby or very few and make their engaging new audiences. So. Maybe we've got to swallow some pride and have a look at, you know, some overseas competitions to see what they're doing that's making a big difference. Yeah, mate, I think that's a very fair point. We just don't seem to have that engagement from, you know, even the local communities. Like, I understand there's a lot going on in the bigger cities and, you know, big stadiums and you don't get the atmosphere. But when it's the little, you know, used to be used to be the bread and bread of New Zealand rugby, the the little provincial unions will get a will get a game here and there, and you'd have big crowds and big turnouts. But you know, we just we're just not seeing that anymore, which is which is a real concern. Yeah, and I guess it's just you know the question I'd ask is what are we actually doing to engage those people? Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything that's creative that we're doing to hmm. engage people to NPC. It's on pay TV, which most people most young people don't have. Um, you know, we don't do anything creatively in terms of how we spread talent around the country. We don't tell the stories very well in terms of young players that are coming through. You know, we're not giving people too many reasons to part with their with their dollar, are we? Mm. 
You're listening to you're listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Uh, Turbo Mano with two Turbos coach Mike Rogers is my guest on the program. Um, Mike, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The financial stability of the unions as well. I mean, I'm a little bit mortified where I see the All Blacks, if they win the World Cup, get a $150,000 bonus, which adds up to about four and a half, five million dollars $5 I mean, to me, that's my expectation on the All Blacks. I mean, do we deduct money if they lose games or if they lose test matches? I, I struggle with that because I know how tough some of these unions do it. And you go, $5 million going to the players. Well, that's a $1 million for five different unions. Can MPC, should it be an amateur competition um, what level, I mean, what should that salary cap be? How do we make this economically viable? I think we have to look at the purpose of the competition. So for me, and I don't know whether this is what New Zealand rugby thinks, but for me, the development competition, right? So we're trying to develop the next group of super rugby players. Now, in order to do that, you need to pay them. Um, but it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me that we play 10 games in nine weeks. We have a very short pre-season, and man, it's all over before it even got started. So... It would make a lot more sense for me that it's a longer competition, you know, more games over a longer period of time, so we actually get to do some coaching. Like maybe if you ever look at our season this year, we had an eight-day turnaround, a six, a six, a five, a four, etc. Like there's not a lot of coaching going on, which when you consider that it's supposedly a development competition, it's a little bit illogical. And then you know just the creative things we talked about around how how maybe we can spread some talent around the country to give. You know, ultimately, to, it'll be a much more vibrant competition if you had 14 teams competing, but the reality is the bottom four are pretty much been the bottom four every year for the last you know, four or five years, or probably even longer. So, I don't know, I think it'd be much better for everybody if you had, you know, teams like Manawatu being able to compete with the big boys. Mate, I, I couldn't agree, Mel. If, if we're all looking at this as a development competition, then then we have to make it about development and not about winning. And not about the big unions just trying to win because that doesn't do anyone any good. If it's going to be about development, then we have to move some players around and make it competitive. We have to put some old heads with some young kids um, to get them to learn how to be rugby players, to get them to train how to be rugby players. And again, if it's about development, then it needs to be about development. And, and that's the sole focus. And that means moving super club rugby players around the country where they needed, where they needed most. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. So, um, I guess back in the day, MPC was the pinnacle of New Zealand rugby, and you know, it's been, it's you know, everyone's tried really hard to maintain that. But you know, Super Rugby's been around for almost 30 years now. So, I think perhaps we have to look at things a little bit differently and and see whether we can actually you know, ensure that the investment's going in the right areas and that we're actually, you know increasing the number of high-quality players in, in the country. I want to ask you this. You've clearly done very well. You're, you're now coach of an NPC side, Mike. Um, what about the coaching pathway? Are we doing enough to develop good coaches? And what's your pathway been like? And, and what challenges have you faced from a coaching point of view in terms of resource? Um, really good question. So I, I wasn't a professional rugby player, so I'm a little bit of an anomaly in terms of my professional coaches and Man, it was challenging, but I was really fortunate enough to have a man called Clayton McMillan support me and bring me through in the Bay of Tony system, which is um, which is really helpful, and, and also what I'm trying to do at Manawatu in terms of a couple of local coaches that we're trying to bring through into our system because I think we we owe it to you know those people who are out there um, operating at club land and stuff like that to to try and bring them through to uh, professional coaching ranks. Um, 
probably the most helpful thing for me was coaching the Bayesini under-19s, which is only a short campaign, but it's probably as close as you're going to get to uh, NPC rugby in terms of, you know, the intensity of number of games over a short period of time and stuff like that. I think probably going to get in a lot of trouble after this interview, but perhaps New Zealand rugby's missed a bit of a trick by getting rid of that tournament. You know, you had 14 or 16 teams, sorry, at that tournament with, you know, a lot of coaches that are now coaching NPC teams and super rugby teams and stuff that, that have coached those teams. So, you know, I know it was one of those things that got cut because of COVID, because of the cost, but, um, mate, it was awesome for me and, and a whole heap of other guys that have been through that program as well. So, um, yeah, it's the same. I guess it's the same issues, isn't it? It's only a finite amount of cash to go around, so you've got to try and figure out, you know, which basket to put your eggs into. Um, but, yeah, mate, that, that'd be... That'd be great if they could um, bring that back. Um, Mike, I've got one question that I sort of asked a lot of people involved in rugby these days. Um, what do you think is more important, winning or enjoyment? <laughs> I mean, they go hand in hand, don't they? Like, I don't really enjoy not winning. That's probably the start. But um, I think we have to do it because we love it. And, you know, I, I struggled a bit you know, coaching my or two this year and we weren't winning. And it's a pretty lonely, dark old place when you you know, getting beaten convincingly for a few weeks in a row. Um, and I don't tend to enjoy that too much, but ultimately we have to create environments that players want to be part of. And, and we got that right for a large part of the season this year and saw some pretty good results. But um, and the unfortunate reality is when you're getting a bit of a hiding, no matter how positive we try and make the environment, like people aren't stupid, eh? So um, I'd say they weren't enjoying it as much in the last two or three games as what they were. And when we knocked off Auckland, but well, I think it's ultimately people need to play rugby because they're fun. Like, yeah, it's a career and it is pretty brutal at times, but there's plenty of other things we could be doing that um, are a lot less fun. So a bit of gratitude um, doesn't go amiss. So, yeah, people of Manawatu are really proud and hopefully we can um, turn things around over the next couple of years and give them, give them something to be um, happy about. It's so that, that was from the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, Mike Rogers, coach of Manawatu, about a few of the challenges and observations in the domestic rugby game. Hope you enjoyed that catch-up. I actually didn't hear it yesterday, so that's the first time I heard it as well. Really, really insightful um, thoughts. Very, very insightful. Uh, having spoken on the back of with Neil Barnes about some changes he'd like to see as well. Right, uh, Karen is lined up and ready to give us the new sport and weather. We'll come back. We're going to revisit Show Me The Money. We're going to catch up with Jimmy Smith. We're going to go back in the day half an hour before the run home. Show you the money. That's not so good. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. I will. You weren't part or of it. Or might not. Yeah. Or okay. might not. Or might not. Let's hear it. Again, I wasn't part of it. Um, but you were. I was. You were. And uh, we'll start with you. Okay. Steph. You went to the NPC. I did. You took Canterbury. I did. Um, four and a half point start versus Auckland. And Canterbury are into the semifinals. Tenth finish in Christchurch. The late try game, Auckland Hope, and they've certainly battled away, but Canterbury are the winners. They've done it 29 to 24. <laughs> Just. You can't say comfortable. Got there by 0.5, but a win's a win. A win's a win indeed, um, and not a bad one at all. Uh, we move on to Caller High Rev Kev. Yes. 
as you as you coined him. And um, yeah, he he took Ireland simply thirteen plus against Scotland. And that will be that. The game is over. Ireland were brutally good for sixty five minutes. Up thirty six points to nil. Up 36 points to nil. They got a couple of tries in, but it did not change the margin uh, away from what we wanted it to be. 36-14. High Kev. Kev. 22-point margin there. Um, Sam. Yes. In, a, in, a, in one that I... I've never had to cut audio for something from Show Me The Money during the show. Because <laughs> um, the game was happening... Well, yeah, during today's show. Uh, he went to the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles. All right. To go 5-0 and beat the LA Rams. That'll do it. Zero's on the clock, and the Eagles are 5-0 with a 23-14 win. Three from three. Three from three. Now, hang about. Yeah. Because when we did those three picks last week, I asked Hi Kev. I said, Hi Rev Kev, do you want to add in another one or you just want to stay Mm. safe? Mm. He said, add another one. And I can't remember what it was. What was it? Well, this is what happened, Steph. Um, As you said, those were the first three. It wasn't paying much, uh, and he gave Sam the absolute honour of picking League Four. Uh, I mean, you kind of you kind of all talked a bit amongst yourselves and decided on something, but the first thought was All Blacks versus Uruguay. Two tries scored in the first ten minutes at two twenty-five. Now that would have been incredibly gutting to watch <laughs> three tries be disallowed within the first twenty minutes before the first one was even. Uh, even allowed. So, glad we didn't go to this one. Uh, to that one. The one you landed on was Shannon Frizzell to score in the All Blacks win 71+. Plus. And the fact I have no audio for this is not a good sign. As we know, the All Blacks won 73 now. Um, but Shannon Frizzell was not really anywhere near the scoring column. And I tried, I tried to find, like, a clip of a try that even mentioned Frizzell's name to say, and that's the closest we got, but He no. went close once. Uh, from memory, he went close once, but not really, really close. Like, had a, had a go. Yeah. So that was at four bucks. Uh, it was a bit optimistic, but... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Three from four. Well, I think the three was only paying, like, 150 bucks. Yeah, it was. Something yeah. like that. So, hi, Rev Kev. You're the best performed for quite some time. So, well done, sir. Well done for nearly getting us across the line. Um, I've got time I've got time for a quick couple to tell you what we can do with Ireland. Get the ref to penalise them for rolling their bodies through the ruck to the opposition side like old age pensioners, which is exactly what the British scribes used to bitch about the All Blacks doing, Matt, from Masterton. Staff, where, oh, where did that disappear? We need Kiss at halftime in the NPC. Yes. We do. We have to go because we're coming back with Jimmy Smith across the ditch. Okie dokie. What was it? OB6? Oh, no, sorry. Here we go. I think he's there. Wake he's there. up, kids. You got the dreamer's disease. Have you got that? Yeah, I've got dreamer's disease. Oh, there disease. he is. What do, we, what do we talk about today? Is it rugby? Is it cricket? Is it Bathurst? <laughs> what, what do we talk about today? <laughs> is chess a sport? <sighs> Why? Has Australian well, just won the world champs or something? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have thought so. Uh, no. Imagine if you, the, the Russian who was beaten in the final or something. That's like, 
<laughs> that would be awkward, wouldn't it? It would be very the awkward. Chess, the chess. Uh, so what happened? We had Matt. We're talking about how did you get involved in a sport? How did you get exposed to it and start liking it? On the back of me now becoming a supercars expert. I was rung by SENZ on Sunday morning to talk about the supercars. Were you? I'm now an expert. Well, I've been to Bathurst. So that's about, well, that's I texted you and said, have you got a roughy tip for Bathurst? And you went, roughy tip? And I said, someone that isn't a favourite. And you said, no idea. No, I've got no idea. Now, though, now, after being exposed to the great race and Aaron Noonan and Paul Dumbrell, uh, so I said, you know, which is the sport you're getting into? Jimmy just further, and I promise not to poke the bear again, but what about chess, poker, and backgammon? <laughs> they are games of skill, but are they sports? That's from Matt. So we've had a bit of a conundrum. According to the IOC, Matt, chess is a sport because of the game requires immense skill, mm. mental acuity, strategic thinking, and even lasting physical endurance. So there you go. What about fishing? Fishing? Oh, yeah, that's a sport. Is it? I don't know. See, the first the... time I went out fishing for many, 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 many years with my parents' neighbour, and he goes fishing every day, I caught wow. 15, he caught three. <laughs> but he said it was his boat and his positioning. Yeah, mm. of course he did. Mm. Fishing is a sport. It is a sport. Okay, darts yeah. is a sport. Darts is definite. Darts is a – so this is what – I looked up darts as well. So darts is a sport, is a professional shooting sport, but it is also a game played in pubs. Mm. So it's both. Now, in Australia, yeah. do you know what bull rush is? Oh, mate. British Bulldog, Bull Rush, Red Rover Crossover. It's oh, got okay. so many names. Okay. Absolutely know what it is. Why? I, I just want to bring it back as a live TV sport. I just think it would be rush. brilliant. An international bull rush tournament. Gee, that's not a bad idea. I know. What are the rules? There ain't no rules. It's <laughs> just you. Just get run. to the other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jason Tomalolo, world champion. <laughs> Can you imagine? So, you know, when, whenever there was a streaker or someone running onto the SCG, I'd be out there watching the cricket with my mate, Timmy Russell, who we used to play, I used to play footy with at, at the Roosters. And we would always say, gee, I wish Rod Silver, who was the Roosters <laughs> fullback, gee, I wish Rod Silver would run out here in his boots one day. They would never catch him. No. He was unreal, wasn't he? He, he, oh. had, he had like a latex spine. He was so bendy, that guy. Left and right feet. Yep. He, he could go. He won a premiership with the Bulldogs in 95, played in another grand final. Yeah. Uh, and a, and the, the neatest person in the dressing room. <laughs> Muddy shoes, socks, shorts, and shirt. He would fold up to put in his bag <laughs> before Jeez. he took them home. Fantastic. Can I, can I ask you about the cricket, though, Jimmy? And I'm not, I'm not poking the ball. Actually, like, we were. We were just delighted to put on the performance we did a couple of centuries. But has there been a fallout for the Australia-India match or is it it's just pool game? Uh, I reckon you've – and we're going to speak to Simon O'Donnell about it a little bit later. I reckon you can get to the point where you go, okay, maybe balance of the side. There's probably a couple of guys there in Alex Carey and Cam Green that aren't enjoying the best of form. Mm. But beyond that, they were in a winning position. And if Mitch Marsh takes that catch, they win because they dismissed Virat Kohli for 12. But they didn't, and that's cricket, right? Mm. Are your spin so, bowling stocks good enough for India? No, no. and I'm going to ask Simon about that. I'm looking at their lineup, right? They've got, uh, what have they got? Ashwin, who's world class, but he's right arm off spin. Jadeja, left arm orthodox. 
Yadav, left arm, wrist spin. Australia, Adam Zampa, wrist spin. Glenn Maxwell, part-time offie. Mm. He is the big show, though. That, that's true. Good yeah. point. <laughs> well and we said. didn't play our best spinner in that first game. Ish Sodi. Oh, yeah. I'm mm. a fan of Santner, though. Yeah, he's a, he's not a big turner, but an amazing variant of speed. Like he he can bowl at seventy five clicks or a hundred clicks, and the batsman yeah. can't pick it. Same action. Um, now, when I did, when I was rung up by SENZ <laughs> as a supercars expert on Saturday, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, they thankfully didn't ask me for a roughie either. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah, um, I did ask. Grant Elliott about Rashin Ravindra. Mm. And he said, Yep, saw him bat in the nets as a five year old and he was smashing them everywhere. I'm like, Are you serious? He said, Yep. His dad was giving him throwdowns as a five year old and yep. he was smashing them everywhere. So he's named after, is it Rahul Dravid and Sachin Tendulkar? Yes. Right. Yes. And that is so cool. He is um, like, that innings, even though he's done it domestically, it did take New Zealand cricket fans by surprise that he did it on the biggest stage against the defending champions who had our number, and he just did that. And no real bad shots. The, I didn't watch the whole innings, Jimmy, but the highlights I showed, and I guess that's what made the highlight, every shot out of the middle of the bat, incredible. Yeah, and what about that, though? You're walking out second over. Oh, righto. <laughs> Will Young, you've nicked off. Away you go. You just come out there, yeah, not out 123 off 96, no problem. Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Are you coming with me, Devin? You know, you're, you're the junior partner. Are you coming with me? Um, and he's only yeah. 23. I mean, we haven't, yeah. had, we haven't had an exciting young cricketer like this since probably Daniel Vittori. That much? That much. Young, young, exciting cricketer. Robbie, who's our cricketing nuffy, he's looking at me going... Tim Southey, Trent Bolt. No, no, not when they were 23. Not when they okay. were 23, Rob. Okay. What about this young, exciting sports person? Sean Johnson, no points. Oh, dear. Brayton Astor, no, he'd never cut it. He'd <laughs> 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 <You> never cut it. <laughs> oh, dear. Where is your little mate? Where's he gone all quiet? Has he, Sammy? Sammy's not here today. Sammy's not oh, here. He, oh, that's it. That's the only reason he hasn't yeah. barged his way into this chat. He he did a rugby world cup game, so he has to have two days off to recover. Oh yes, I know how it is. Yeah, yeah you those, know what it's those, like those calling rugby games. types. Yes. Those rugby types. Yeah. Uh right, we've got the quarter finalists. That's a tough quarter final. Ireland v New Zealand. Oh, France, South Africa as well. It's just deluxe, but Ireland versus New Zealand, I've been asked, hand on heart, Jimmy, what percent, a caller rung and said, be honest, what percentage chance do you give the All Blacks to beat Ireland? And my answer was 35%. Ooh. Ireland's defence, Jimmy, is neck level. Next <laughs> level. You've got to score points to win games, and they are just so good at defence. Was that something new for SENZ afternoons with Staffy, you being honest? Yeah, I think it's the second time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to rush into these things, no, no. you know, Just drip, drip feed the listeners. <laughs> drip feed them. Uh, so apparently the Wallabies are out. Anyway, great to chat, Staffy. So, and we're king of the mountain as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a superstar, Van Gisbergen. He's and, an out-and-out superstar. And Richie Stanaway's next. Mark my words. That's right. Grove yep. Racing, uh, full-time drive next year. Let's We've got to go. go, buddy. So do we. Thanks, Jimmy. We'll go back in the day after this. Here's what happened back in the day. 
It is the October the 9th, and Brendan out there, I know you're listening. It wasn't you I was fishing with when it was 15-3. It was my secret spot down on the west coast of the North Island, if that's why you're saying ha-ha. 1989 on this day, Art Shell was the first African-American head coach in the NFL, won his first game, guiding the LA Raiders to a 14-7 win over the Jets. 2005, the longest MLB postseason game in history. Went to the bottom of the 18th innings as Houston beat Atlanta. Birthdays today, Stephen Gionta. I don't know him. He's 40 today, former NHL centre. Uh, George Kittle, know him, 49 is tied in, turns 30 today. And 21 today, the up-and-coming tennis player from America, Ben Shelton, turns 21. Number one movie in 1980 was Goldie Horn's Private Benjamin, and this is the number one song. Come on, all blacks. Beat the Irish. Yes. Let's go! Big thank you to Rubinio for turning all the dials, answering the phones, and getting our audio together. I will be back tomorrow, but the run home is here. I see Kimberly Downs.